Um, okay, so hello everyone. I am Broca, and today we're going to start my podcast series, which I'm going to call Learning the Ropes, where I talk to current and past VHLM GMs and try and learn how to actually be a good one and not be as rubbish as I am. So today we've got Acid Burn with me. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people who you are, who you GM, and a bit of your story yeah. of the VHL? Sure, I can definitely do that. Um, as Baraka said, I go by Acidburn. Um, I, you know, am the GM of the Ottawa Lakes currently, and I got my start in GMing as the AGM of Halifax, which is your team. Um, so I AGM'd for Thran, who is kind of inactive. But he popped in the other day, so I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but yeah, it's kind of my start a little bit. Nice. Um, so, um, being an AGM first, do you feel like that helped you moving into the GM role than just you know sort of jumping in into the deep um, end? I guess at the time, yeah, because. Kind of something that's happened in the uh, in the M lately is kind of a a changing of characters, we shall call it. Um, kind of the the vibe and things have kind of shifted uh, over the past couple of months because some GMs have left. We have new GMs, so one of the biggest things that I learned as an AGM, um, just kind of watching Thran and and uh, kind of the league, is there were a lot of personalities. Um, and kind of having to navigate that and how to navigate that and, uh, you know, when to speak up, when to be quiet. And um, kind of on a positive note, that's that's not really the case anymore. Um, it's become a lot more friendly or a lot more of an open discussion lately. So it's, uh, it's kind of a nice breath of fresh air. Um, but kind of as an AGM, you, you do learn how to do, uh, sorry, you do learn how to uh, GM a little bit, you know, kind of doing lines. Um, yep. And it always depends on what your GM wants you to do. Um, some GMs use AGMs differently. Like, I know that I use my AGM, who is Hulk Hogan, a lot differently than um, I'm sure Gustav used you when you were his AGM. Yeah, um, so. you know, it's that sort of thing where the AGM doesn't have a set role. It's just sort of, you know, it's almost like a personal assistant where it's like whatever you want them to do, you get them to do sort of thing. And uh, the relationship between the GM and the AGM, I assume, would be different between every team in the league and different between, obviously, the M and the just the VHL in general. Yeah, so, for instance, one of the big things... Um, that I, I need help with, um, that I have Hulk do, is every week he does the presser for me. Um, and something that's kind of surprising um, that a lot of people don't really know about Hulk is um, he's actually a really good drafter. Um, he's really good at finding you know gems in the later rounds. Uh, like, for instance, last season, we didn't have a lot of picks uh, because of our uh, 67 run when yep. we won the cup um we didn't have a lot of picks so you know i said you know what hulk it's all you you can draft and he picked um mesa 
off the top of my head, he picked Mesa, Alex, and uh, Sean Glade, who was one of the best defensive players in the league. Like, I don't know why he slipped, but he did. Um, Mesa's still on our team, and Alex was active uh, for the majority. I think he's still active. Um, I ended up trading him uh, to Mississauga for, I think, a third-round pick because... I picked up uh, one of my waivers from last season. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's he's good at finding those gems, so I rely on him a lot for um, drafting and just kind of advice bouncing things off of. Yeah. Um, my own AGM experience, I did a bit of the work with the drafting. We had a draft board that we sort of both, myself and Gustav, looked at and Worked from there, and he, you know, we both took the picks. I believe last beginning of '69, we both did the picks. Um, yeah, and it's sort of weird that I feel personally that as much as I was an AGM, it was sort of it was all Gustav's strategy. So as much as I did stuff, I felt like he's the one with the grand plan, you know, in the back of his head. So I'm sort of just following along with it, and then getting given a position like this, it's like. I have to come up with the grand plan now myself. Um, you know, you can't just rely on someone else to have the ideas and you just to execute them, I guess. Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to think about okay, um, what do I want to get out of my team? You know, when do I kind of want to make my run? Um, what do I have to adjust given what I have currently? Um, and one of the biggest differences between like the major and the minor is in the minor you have a much faster uh turnaround so you only have your players for one to two seasons um three if you're very lucky and they go inactive um but it seems like the majority is kind of two now that the cap has gone up to 250 uh which is kind of nice for gms because in the later rounds you can pick up the guys who are doing welfare and they've kind of changed that window from you can be competitive for one season to you can kind of be competitive for two seasons. And that's kind of how we approach this season is we had the way that we drafted is we had a lot of picks. Um, We had a lot of picks this season and um, we kind of drafted our, our top six forwards. And then, you know, hook was paying attention to the Twitch chat um, and just paying attention in general. And he's like, Hey, you know, let's pick up a lot of these SHL guys, you know, even if they're welfare guys, we're going to have them for two seasons because we drafted them. So what we're thinking going into this season is we have our top six and then next season, those SHL guys who are going to be our, you know, third liners are now going to become our first liners. So we don't have to worry about, you know, drafting our first liners. We don't have to worry about those trades. We can, you know, maybe pick up, um, a few guys to round out our our second line and uh, hopefully be competitive next season, depending on what's going on. Yeah, I feel like with the change in the cap, you can go in with a lot of second and third round picks, pick the people that are active and you know might stay active, but a lower TPE to get them. So you know you're essentially picking for next season, where a lot of people are going into that first round, second round, trying to find the the people who are going to really excel this season. Uh, I feel like that's a bit of a change with the new cap. The hardest part was me. I think I was given the team the day before the draft. And 
because um, Gustav didn't have any picks until the seventh round, I believe. So we didn't prepare prepare any like draft boards or anything like that because we're like, okay, we'll see whoever's available in the seventh and we'll pick you know, either someone who's just joined or someone who looks a little bit active. Because I had a pick in the fifth, I sort of had to do all my research on the day and that was that was the hardest part, I guess. Yeah, it's always <clears throat> it's always difficult with you know coming into a new team the day before a draft. You don't really know what your picks are. You didn't really scout. Um, so I don't envy you <laughs> in that situation because um, it's a very hard situation to be in because you're not necessarily bringing in those new faces. Um, so you know your your entire season is going to depend on waivers. Um, yeah which was the past two seasons for Ottawa, in all honesty, um, because we we went all out. So we didn't really have a lot of picks the past two seasons. Um, and so we kind of relied on waivers, and it didn't work out so well with us. Um, I mean, we made the playoffs last season, but we were out in the first round. Uh, I feel like it's not that hard at the moment to make the playoffs, really. You've just got to be sort of... Because there's multiple teams who are going to have a, a no draft essentially, and if you're the person who picks up those waivers that stick around, you're going to make that you know seventh eighth spot in playoffs. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think has been brought up um, to the commissioners and everybody in the league as far as you know why why are we letting these teams who we know are going to lose in the first round make it to the playoffs and the argument's always been well to keep the new guys engaged and yeah that's a valid argument and you know they they do have a good point you're in the playoffs but what about the three teams that didn't make the playoffs it's the same thing yeah so why not maybe condense it do you know a few less teams make the playoffs a little bit more competitive and you know it it doesn't take as long there's, you know, a lot of different points on both sides, and I kind of understand it. So I don't mind being status quo, um, but I, I don't know. I, I see both sides of it. Um, personally, I would kind of like to see a more competitive playoff scenario, and I know that in the M, it's more about player retention and getting them used to the league and everything, but you know, at the same time, a lot of that is getting players excited because you're winning um, and ice time. And uh, there's just a lot of a lot of factors that you have to think about. Um, and that's one of the biggest things between the VHL and the, and the M is the M is getting you ready for the for the big leagues where a lot of the I'm not saying all, but a lot of, you know, the. Uh, the VHL GMs don't really have to deal with teaching players or, uh, you know, keeping them engaged or anything because they've already gone through that. So, yeah, I think what you find in the VHL, obviously, um, only being on one team, part of two locker rooms, but compared to the M locker rooms where people are, you know, asking questions, bouncing stuff, especially when you've got a um, an active season. Uh, it's real loud where most of the time in the actual VHL, 
people are like, yeah, I know what to do. You know, I'll jump on every week. I'll do my you know, media spot, all that sort of stuff, and I'll jump back off and you know, sort of leave it and check on, check the results daily. And that, you know, you have a little chat, but most of it's you know, a lot quieter, I guess. I, I yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think it also depends on the team. Um, you know, in Ottawa, we've had locker rooms that have been great you know everybody's having conversations all the time and then you know depending on the season it's it's dead it all depends on you know how many people are in there and if your alumni are sticking around um yeah you know in the vhl we're both on seattle um so i can speak to seattle and that's one of the best locker rooms that i've seen you know we have we're always having a conversation going yeah um, you know about something in the league or you know banding together as a team yeah there's always seattle's been pretty good there's always something to talk about um the hounds locker room has always been incredibly good like you can jump on most time during the day and someone's having a conversation with someone else um and i think mainly that's gustav he's done a great job with the locker room and making it active and I think also though it's glowy goat. Um, they're always in there, like really just having a chat and talking to people, learning about people. And I think that's the main thing is you sort of come in as just this outsider. And when you first join, a lot of people are jumping in, having a conversation with you, making you feel welcome. And I think that helps. You know, the hounds have always done pretty well with waiver pickups and that sort of stuff. So. I think it just depends on how lucky you are most of the time with players and if you've got those people in there that can really boost it. Yeah, I for instance, uh when I the first team I joined as a player was Halifax and you know, we had a really active um locker room and that's one of the reasons why I stayed. Um yep. is because I got into it, you know, Thran pulled me in, we were having conversations, um you know, uh, Fonzie was in there, who um, is probably one of the closest guys that I'm to uh, in the VHL. So we kind of stuck together and, you know, raised the ranks. And he was, we, <laughs> we have a friendly competition because he was drafted one pick ahead of me. <laughs> um, but that's that's because of a lot of uh, some other reasons. Um, but, you know, I think one of the most important things for the M is in fact, the locker room. And uh, like you were saying about Mississauga, um, I've only heard good things about Gustav in the locker room. Um, so, you know, if I had to pick out one GM to kind of embodies the M and to model yourself off of, it'd probably be Gustav. So the fact that you were his AGM and, you know, I'm sure he taught you a bunch of stuff is only going to benefit you going forward. Yeah. Um, I found the biggest problem is... Obviously, giving Halifax, jumping in, you know, one day before the draft sort of thing, you're thrown into a locker room that you, you know, you know a couple of people in there. Like, I've, you know, I've seen a fair few names that I know. But it also helps, didn't help that there's no players. So you're trying to, like, start conversations and get people talking. Um, and then there's, you know, no one really there to bounce it back off you. And, um, I see, you know, there's a lot of alumni in there, but it just depends if they want to talk, obviously. You know, 
some people, once you leave a team, you sort of mute it and you come back every now and then just to just have a little look at it, but you don't really follow it closely. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know, it's just sort of being thrown into that different scenario. You don't know what's happened in the past. You don't know what sort of role you need to play. Where giving an AGM role in with the Hounds, where I'd already been for the season before, it was already, I knew everyone in there. It's just, you just keep doing what you were doing, I guess. Yeah. Your, um, I, I can tell a story um, that I'm now comfortable with, but <laughs> you um, coming into a new locker room is, is, is definitely hard. And, I'm, you know, it's from the sounds of it, you're struggling a little bit um, just because there's not so many active bodies. It's kind of hard after a draft. Um, when I actually took over Ottawa, it was in the middle of a playoff run. And you know, it was announced, I hopped into the locker room and I was kind of immediately, you know, harassed, worn at. Um, people didn't want SO to leave. Um, and I was just trying to explain, you know, I'm kind of taking it over. This, it's, I'm not SO. Um, SO's done a great job, um, you know, He's a great GM. He's turned around the Americans. I've never had an issue with him. All I said was, you know, I'm not SL. I'm going to be different. And I don't know if that was misunderstood or what. Um, But I said that after a couple of things. And it was just a hostile locker room. And it took me a couple of days to kind of turn that around. And, um, you know, thankfully, that was the season that we, we did end up winning the cup. So I think that kind of quieted a few people down as far as my ability to GM um, and different things going into that. Uh, but I had a <laughs> for I had a very rough start um, when I became an actual GM. So um, I'm glad to see that, you know, you are struggling a little bit. And that's obviously that's going to happen with any team. But, um, you know, as somebody who came from Halifax, I, I know that there are some good guys, so I think you're in, in some good hands. And, uh, you know, with your background of AGMing, I, I think you're going to do a good job. Thanks. Um, yeah, the I guess the hardest part was really, you know, you're jumping into another locker room. As much as you follow other teams when you are an AGM to sort of see what they're doing, you, you don't know them all off by heart, I guess. So it's, you know, getting announced, hey, you've now got, yeah, this is your team, this is what you got to do. So it's like, okay, you're going through, what draft picks do I have? What players do I have? These players who are actually active. So you're going through, you're researching your team. You're going through, okay, in the next years, what picks do I have? It's like, okay, so you're sort of trying to, not only you're trying to jump in and understand a team and get, get to know everyone, but you're trying to understand, okay, what was the direction the last GM was going in? You know, where was their plan headed? And you're trying to jump in and understand someone else's plan and then either continue on with it or you've got to totally tear it down and start over again. I guess, obviously, in the end, it's completely different because, as you said, you've only got those players for the one or two seasons. So, you know, your plans are really short term. And obviously, you can only do picks, the trade picks, the three seasons ahead. So, you've, you know, in three seasons, you sort of back to the beginning, I guess. Yeah, it's just jumping in and understanding 
what was the direction and you know, where can I head it? And I think one of the advantages of, you know, as far as just jumping in and taking over a team with the M compared to the, you know, uh, the VHL is we do have a quick turnaround. So that means that you can, um, you know, change your team and and uh, implement your plan uh, a lot faster than if you're going up. Um, now, not to say that you can't do it quickly, um, because some gms have done it you know as we see some of the expansion teams you know within two seasons are looking pretty competitive um but in the m depending on the gm before you you can turn it around in one season um which is kind of an advantage so it it all kind of depends on how how much you were screwed by the the previous gm um and and that kind of comes down to it, you know, was the GM going on a run and they traded essentially all your picks away, um, leaving you with nothing. And then if you don't have any players that you can trade, you really don't have any assets, so you have to wait that season or two seasons. Yeah, you're coming in and you're sort of like, okay, I can't, can't really do anything for the next couple of seasons. I've just got to, you know. And then, you know, you don't want to look bad. You don't want to come in and, you know, be the 11th place team like two seasons in a row just because... Yeah, the GM before you wanted to have a huge run and you look like, you know, they had a great season, made the playoffs, did it right, and then you come in and, you know, you're sitting in 11th place for two seasons in a row and that's like, okay, you know, is it what they had to work with or are they just an average GM? Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, if you come in last place or, or you don't do well, I don't think anyone is really going to say, oh, you're a bad GM, because there, there's a lot of different factors um, in the M as far as, you know, you have waiver picks, you have um, the drafting, and it's a lot more um, volatile in the sense that you have players going inactive a lot faster in the M. Um, you have players retiring all the time. Like, for instance, um, in Ottawa, we drafted a guy. Uh, I was hoping he would be in my, you know, uh, my top six, he ended up retiring um, a couple days ago. So completely off the team, uh, can't use him anymore. He was a pretty high pick, um, but that's kind of the game. So we just have to come up with a new game plan. Yeah. With waivers, what is your, what's your, you know, theory? What's your way of doing it? Do you do you do it yourself, or do you let Hogan do it, or? Both of us. Uh depends yep. on, you know, who gets to it first. Um, you know, Hogan is in school uh during the day, so if he can't get to it, I try to. Um but you know, we typically go for position. Um you know, this season was light on defense. Um yep. so, you know, obviously the waivers uh signing up who our defensemen are going to be a priority. Um, we already have a lot of, <laughs> we drafted too many forwards, um, but that is slowly correcting itself. Like I mentioned with the one player uh, retiring. Um, as far as waivers, there's really, in my experience, there's really no way to tell if they're going to work out. You just kind of have to, you know, go through the motions, sign them to your team, get them started and uh, see where things go. Um, yeah. 
you know, with drafting, it's it's a little bit easier because you can see a little bit of activity, um, or you can see if you know if in our case, if they're in the Twitch chat or if they've joined the Discord, that gives a little bit more of an indication um, that you know they're into it a little bit more than somebody who just started. They want to learn they uh, these things and go forward. Yeah, I've had a lot of people uh, during my years, even being, not even years, my six months of even being an AGM, uh, multiple seasons is what I'm more meant, where you get the people, they seem excited, they join in, you know, you're having a chat with them, and it's like, oh, how do I get better? And it's like, well, you got to do these things. It's like, oh, I didn't realize there was actual work involved, see you later. Where it's like, okay, even though this person seemed really promising, you know, as soon as you tell them, you know, you need to click a button and answer some questions and that sort of stuff to start getting your your points up to get better and they're like oh i didn't realize i actually would have to do work i thought you know you just set and forget and yeah i think that's that's the part too is people can look real good on the surface or i was the opposite um i joined just after the draft in season 66 and i got two waiver offerings one was from gustav and one was from matt from um, Las Vegas and I just looked at him and I'm like oh the hounds one looks cooler I'll pick that one just thinking you know it's just random I didn't from coming from a YouTube ad I didn't realize that there was actually people offering me stuff I thought it was just you know these are the ran- like randomly selected teams the computer picked I thought it was all just like generated so when I picked it and then I got a message saying hey come join discord I'm like oh, okay this is a bit different to what I thought and I think without Gustav and um, Radcow was the AGM at the time. I think without them, I wouldn't have stuck around. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest part of getting people to stick around is, um, no, I'm not saying everybody, but I'd say the majority is the community. Um, The community is a huge aspect of the M and player retention. And, um, you know, some people are going to enjoy it because they're into simulation. They like they like doing the test. They like seeing their player grow. But I think the majority stick around because of the community. Um, for instance, you know, like even joining up, uh, moving up to the VHL and being in Seattle, there were times where I'm like, you know, why am I doing this? Is this really, you know, what I want to be spending my time doing? And then, you know, we'd get into a conversation or, you know, we'd go into the playoffs and I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I'm into. This is what I want to do, you know, and I want to, you know, help other people enjoy this. So um, I'm happy that I got the GM job. <laughs> yeah, I had a very similar, like last season, um, I moved from forward to defense, obviously. And there was a point, point where my player just wasn't doing anything. And I was sort of thinking, you know, do I do I want to stick around? Is this, you know. I'm putting in all this effort and doing absolutely nothing because it's still something I want to do. And then it was really just being an AGM that helped me stay stick around. Sorry. <clears throat> um, because, yeah, I was helping other people and they were all having fun and we were having fun and we were doing well in the season. And I think that helped was just because my player wasn't doing well, the team that I was helping, you know, both Seattle, we were doing pretty well and the hounds that were also doing well so i think that really kept me down kept me around because you, know, you had all these other people that were enjoying it and you were helping them enjoy it so you thought why not i'll stick around 
Yeah, one of the Seattle last season uh, suffered from too much depth, <laughs> so a lot of <laughs> a lot of our players um, kind of got shifted around, and um, you in particular kind of took the took the brunt of everything. Um, which I always felt bad. That's kind of why when the unsung hero uh, theme week came along, I was like, yep, <laughs> this, this is my guy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, uh, stat wise, I was, you know, uh, the top guy, you know, I had 99 and uh, a lot of different, you know, uh, scoring defense, all of that. And yeah, I kept getting shifted around because of so much depth. So, my numbers went down, but you know, at the end of the day, it was, it's a team thing. So we ended up coming ahead. Um, you know, you switched to defense, got some more ice time, actually saved us um, in the off season, I think. Um, and you know, now we're not so much depth because we're all off rookie contracts or in prime contracts. But you know, our what uh, we consider the core is kind of still around. Um, which is kind of nice to see. So I'm curious to see how our run this season goes. Um, maybe we can get three in a row. Who knows? Not saying that we will, not saying that we won't, but we'll see. It would be nice, that's for sure. I mean, I, I'm curious to see. Maybe we could reach out to Victor and be like, hey, has this ever happened before? Kind of a thing. But uh, Or we can look it up ourselves. We're not that lazy. <laughs> so one question is not GM-related. Um Seattle, obviously, both on the team. We've won two in a row now, and we seem to almost be the heel of the VHL. How does that make you feel, being sort of the team that everyone loves to hate, I guess? Um, or the successful long- team that everyone loves to hate, I guess? Yeah, it's no one can deny it because it's two cups. And at some point, it's kind of like, well, luck really had nothing to do with it if you keep doing it. Um you know, as long as we're not compared to the New England Patriots, I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I think it kind of fuels us a little bit. Um, you know, our team is full of really high earners. Um, the majority of us were 67 draftees, um, like Zoid, Hulk, myself, you, um, Ray's. Can't forget about Ray's. Um, no. uh, Steve, who uh, we got on a trade. Um, so we're all kind of just growing together. I, yeah, um, totally lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it, oh, it fuels us because, you know, we're all high gainers. We're all, all high earners. So if we can keep it up, you know, we're, we're going to be hopefully, you know, three, four five, uh, which would be interesting, but, you know, uh, I'm not so worried when regression hits just because we earn so much and with the deprecation fighters and everything unless um, you know the Board of Governors decides to throw a wrench into everything and kind of change how all that works um, I, I think we'll be okay we're all we all cap out every week um, yes our contracts are going to go up but we'll just figure ways around it you know um, yeah. that's one of Banna's advantage um yeah advantages is he's good with the cap and and figuring that out um i know a lot of teams have had issues with that this season and you know at the start of the season at well season hasn't started but at the start of the off season um you know that was a concern but within 
think, what was it, two, three days? We were already under the cap and we had it our entire team. Yeah, I think I think because both the season 66 and 67 drafts were very deep, I think that's why a lot of teams are running into problems at the moment was because the two, you know, the deep drafts are now out of rookie into prime contracts. So everyone's costing that little bit more. So I guess that, you know, a lot of teams have those players because there were so many available that now they're trying to figure out what to do with them all. Yeah, a lot of, you know, and unfortunately a lot of guys from those drafts have fallen off and become inactive um, or weren't active from the start, um, which is, you know, kind of a shame. Um, so they're kind of being traded around and uh, all willy-nilly, but... I, I'm curious to see where things go um, going forward because we have the we have the two expansion teams and um, I'm curious to see kind of how the VHL changes and shapes. Um, I think we're still growing at a at a decent rate, so I'm curious to see if um, the six four two that most of the VHL is kind of shifts into maybe a a nine six two or a nine four two or something along those lines. So, kind of curious to see how how things kind of change. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be um interesting. We'll see where this um season goes. We saw a lot of trades in the off season, and I think that was a cap issue for most people, and they were just trying to move stuff around. And then you know the te- teams who didn't have cap issues, were like okay, I need to move stuff around too because I can grab some of these players for cheap because. People need to dump them, and I think that's why we saw so many trades. It's because all the cap problems that a lot of teams were having. Yeah, because um, some teams, you know, were so far under the cap because they, uh, you know, had some low TP players. I know, for instance, um, you know, Prague is pretty deep this season, and a lot of their players are younger um, with decent TPE. So I'm kind of curious to see how that team in particular. Um, you know, changes in a, a season or two when people are starting to hit prime, um, considering how many players they actually do have on their team. Um, so I'm curious to see how, you know, DA manages that and, and does yeah. that. So the big news in the VHL recently is that Sean has voluntarily, in air quotes, um, stepped down from his position. Uh Nothing's been announced publicly about who's taking it, but I'm sure everyone has their ideas. Staying away from that so we don't get, you know, we avoid any trouble. Would you want a VHL job if one was to come up? Yeah. Um, I think that's the goal for many of the the VHL MGMs is to kind of move up. um, And manage one of the bigger teams um you know without having to deal with that cycle constantly changing every one to two seasons um it's more of you know uh, maybe a three to four season window could be shorter could be more depending on the players that you have um but yeah i'd always be open to the opportunity um and in regards to the davos gm uh Yes, everybody does have their theory, and it is probably one of the worst-kept secrets in the VHL. <laughs> um, I'm imagining by the time that this was posted, it will already be announced, so I I think we can say it. But I'm assuming that too, but I just wanted to be safe just to... I don't want to... 
get yeah. trouble posting a podcast that you know well, well somebody else already kind of spoiled it anyway I'm so it would sure be someone did. Yeah. but uh yeah for those who don't know uh gustav is moving up um and is taking the reins of davos so um it's very well deserved and uh you know we wish him the best of luck and he's gonna do a good job there and uh yeah. nothing against sean but everybody kind of is on a consensus that you know there did need to be a changing of the guard um and you know as far as the vhl um gms you, you can't find somebody better than gustav so i think it'll be a good fit and I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the team he has i think we somebody showed how many picks davos has coming up in the next like one to two drafts and it's it's an insane amount so hopefully you know uh we as vhl mgms we uh we get a lot of players for him to to draft from yeah i'm gonna be like he's you know, they posted that new sidebar on the VHL forum where they showed who's the most liked comments and he's sitting, you know, second for the week at the moment. He's sitting fourth for the month and third for the year. And he said something that he hasn't even been around for a year yet. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to be happy if they get drafted to Davos now, which I think is probably one of the biggest changes that, you know, instead of a team where... I personally didn't have any clue when I was getting drafted where I was going to go, what you know, who was the good and the bad ones. I didn't really mind, but um, you know, I've heard a lot around that people didn't want to go to Davos, and that was the you know their one thing. So I think that changing is probably going to be very helpful for the league. I yeah, I agree. I I think, and a lot of um, GMs have changed. You know, Peace has taken over Toronto, um, Jubo now is the GM of Helsinki. Uh, Esso took over the Americans. Um, so there has kind of been a, a changing of the guard in the VHL as well. So some of the teams that you're like, oh, I don't really want to go there, um, you know, has kind of changed. And you're like, hey, maybe I want to give them a shot, you know. Um, I think it's safe to say we're happy in Seattle as, at the time being, but yeah. that doesn't mean that in the future you know, we can't go uh, to another team. But now that kind of these GMs have changed to have been doing it for a long time, um, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of newer ideas and new strategies. So I, it wouldn't be a bad thing to, you know, be on one of those teams and see how that plays out. Yeah. So obviously a VHLM GM spot is going to open up. Who do you who do you think is going to be their front runners for replacing that position? Do you think? Um, off the top of my head, without actually looking, I think Jeff D is going to be a top choice. Um, I am going to you know try and get Hulk to apply for it. I don't know if he's 100% interested in it or not. He has mentioned he doesn't want to do it, but you know it's been three seasons now. I, I think he's starting to get curious, so I would uh, definitely back him um, for a, a GM position. Um, a lot of people don't know him behind the scenes, and he is a lot different than in VHL general chat. Yeah, um, so. um, playing with him the first season, for the hounds he was 
just like everyone else, really helpful, really friendly, really, you know, trying to do the best for the team. And I think it shocked me more when I, because I was the other way around, everyone saw him, you know, his trolley nature that he is in the general discord. Um, that's what most people first see him as, or his, you know, his comments around the forums and stuff like that, where mine was the other, was seeing him in that position in a locker room helping out. So it was odd for me seeing that change where, oh, you know, he is just a younger person just trying to have a bit of fun around and some people take it the wrong way where he can, when he needs to, is really buckle down and be helpful and be a, you know, a help around the league, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's why I think he'd do a, a good job put um, if he's put into the role just because, you know, you've seen the other side of him, I've seen the other side of him, you know, a lot of the hounds have, where it's not so much the trolley nature. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, just dial it back a little bit. You can still have fun. Like, no one's saying that, you know, you have to be a particular way. Like, you can still joke around, but just not take it to a level where, you know, people are, you know, going to be offended or, you know, start start a war with you know another simulation leak or something along those lines yeah um, but you know i i can say from my experience with him he's he's he got the ability you know he has um one of the one of the reasons why i kind of hired him as my agm is because i'd say my strengths are more oriented towards um you know drafting and lines and and strategy as far as that goes my weakest part is probably the lr which is why i wanted to bring him in um to kind of liven it up and and get it going considering you know he was a part of the hounds and they had such a good lr um and you know as the seasons go on you know we've learned to trust each other a little bit more and so you know he's good at drafting he he's good at you know doing all of these things um and so personally i think he'd be my front runner um i could see jeff d being the other choice um i really don't know who else would you know be a front runner um there's always uh dr funk um but he just became an agm um he would be up there as well um i i think he could do it but you know my personally my vote would probably be hulk yeah yeah, I agree with you. I've got um, CX Squared, who's the Mexico AGM. I think he'd do a pretty good job as well. But uh, your two suggestions, I definitely agree with both of them. And I think for me, it'll be those three would be my my top picks. Yeah, I think CX Squared would do a good job as well. I don't know him as well as I do the other two. Um so that's why he didn't come to mind at first. But all three of them, I think you couldn't really go wrong with any of them. Yeah. Um, so speaking of AGMs, there was, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, there was a lot of communication around the forum and the Discord about AGMs being an actual position. Um, you know, Are they needed? Are they necessary? And should they receive any compensation for what they do? Um, my main thoughts are no, they shouldn't receive compensation. It's because there's no real structure to what an AGM does. Like you said, you know, you brought Hulk in to do the presser in the locker room, but he's also good at draft. So you gave him the drafting job where you know, someone else 
like I know my role mainly was locker room stuff as well um, and just picking up any slack that say if Gustav was away or you know school was a bit tough for a week I'd pick up the slack and sort of fill it in what are your thoughts there with the AGMs you know what should should the role be there what should they do how much should they you know are they worth anything that sort of the stuff I so I think that there were something. I don't know if I put, uh, you know, a TPE number on it. Um, something that I just thought of would be, I think that VHL GMs are kind of underpaid. Um, and people will probably argue with me on that, but um, a lot goes into it, you know, as far as retention and everything. Um, so what I wouldn't mind is, you know, them bumping up the VHL MGM TPE pay. And then when it comes to, you know, uh, paying AGMs, um, it's always been, you know, we earn two as GMs, so you can split it one and one. Well, if they bumped up the VHLM GM pay, that gives you a little more leeway. Like if it, they bump it up to three, you can take two, you can give your AGM one. They bump it up to four, you can split it two and two, depending on what your AGM does for you. It, it gives you a little bit more freedom. Um, I do think that, you know, AGMs are a big help. Um, are they a hundred percent necessary? I no. you can manage your team by yourself, but they're, they're a huge help and I would rather have them than not have them. So, um, I think that that pay scale could be adjusted a little bit. And I also think that, you know, um, when it comes to paying AGMs, it's up to the GM, um, yep. because I'm sure the way that I use Hulk is different than the way that um, Rays use Hatter, or for instance, because those are the only GM-HM combination <laughs> that I can think of right now. Um, or Mots and CX squared, I think, are the two other combination. Um, there's just been a lot of GM changes, so I don't remember who AGM is where and whatnot. So. And I think a lot of the AGMs are, you know, first season sort of things. So it's hard to, you know, it's most people probably haven't found that rhythm, found what works for them yet. Um, so hypothetically, they put the let's say they put the GM pay up to four. What you know, are you splitting that two and two with Hulk, or what would you be doing? Yeah, I wouldn't have an issue splitting it two and two. Um, yeah. Absolutely, because I'm not missing out on what I'm currently earning. Um, I I would do two and two, even if it's three. I would do two and one. Um, uh, I did offer to split it one and one with Hulk, but um, he said that the one wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, which I kind of agree with because when you go down to one, the only way to earn another one is either you do reviews or you do a point task for two and only claim it as one. Yeah. So I kind of get it. You're going to have to do that work anyway. So if they bump it up to four, um, you can do the two and two. I think that four might be a little bit too extreme um because that is a lot uh of tpe for gms um so i don't know i i think there's a lot that needs to be worked out there as far as numbers yeah i i think i think it's pretty comfortable where it sits at the moment um obviously being a gm is a bit more work than just doing say you know a dot com article you know, 150 words, you can sort of spew it out in a couple of minutes, provided you got that idea in your head. Um, or, you know, a small graphic, which I don't do graphics, so I don't really know how long they take. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think where it sits is good at the moment. It's just I, yeah, the, as you said, the one one point like Gustav offered me that when I first got the job, and I said no, it's pointless us both having just one point. You know, you keep it, you do most of the work, and I'll just do what I do and still keep claiming what I usually do. I guess. Yeah, I, I also think that it depends on the season because you know seasons where you don't have many draft picks um i feel like you're doing more work um because you're constantly looking for waivers you're assigning them you're trying to teach them the league um you're trying to you know make your team better by education um and hand holding uh sometimes which isn't the most isn't the easiest thing in the world um so i feel like the seasons where i didn't have a lot of draft picks i you know had to put forth more effort and there were times where I'm like, this two TPU week is is kind of rough. Um, you know, I could write an article instead of this, and I would earn the same amount. So I yeah. think when you compare it to the tasks that are current, like the current tasks, um, I don't think we earn enough. Um, but when if you kind of compare it to the cap as a whole, it seems to be, you know, kind of on the money. Um, would I mind if it's increased? Absolutely not. Um, would I like the ability to, you know, pay an AGM if they're actually worth it? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of a discussion, um, a much longer discussion, and a lot more uh, kind of has to go into it. So with, you've been, how long have you been a GM for? It was season 67, was it? Or... Uh, yes. So I think this is my fourth season. Okay. So being a GM for you know a fair few seasons now, have you made any mistakes? And if so, you know what were they? What would you change if you could go back? Um. So the first one that kind of comes to mind is the first ever trade that I did. And here's the deal: when you become a GM. <laughs> I don't know if this has happened to everybody, but it seems like the majority of them, your first trade is an absolute train wreck. Um, I feel like um, a lot of other GMs, you know, get the wide eyes. They're like, "Yep, a new, you know, fresh meat. Let's let's get in and you know, see what I can get out of them before they actually learn what they're doing." Yeah, I. Uh, so my first trade was I had the first overall pick, and I did not know who i wanted it was it was a very difficult decision and i was approached to trade the first overall for the fourth overall i think a fourth rounder and a seventh and at the time um you know thrain taught me uh, some stuff he actually disappeared towards the end of when i was an agm so i was doing the lines i was doing a lot but um one thing that i never really learned was trade value uh, yep. draft value trade value which i think is important and i think it's also hard to you know teach somebody that um because it changes from season to season and and everything along those lines um so i think the first one that comes to mind is trading that first overall for the fourth um overall a fourth round pick and a seventh which is kind of garbage but um, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out and we ended up winning the cup, but, uh, you know, every GM has, <laughs> has a, what I like to think of a, as a, as a bad first trade. Um, so who was that trade with? 
Uh, the raise the the I, same I one. Who, uh, <laughs> the, the the same one that uh, you traded with recently. Yeah. Because uh, I believe that, that first one. that first overall was used to pick up me. It was, and the story that I was told, and he uh, he will deny it, is he came to me and said that you particularly wanted to play for him, um, oh, and you were worried about playing. <laughs> You were worried about playing for another team. And, ah, I was, was uh, I? <laughs> this is all uh, news to me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was that was the story. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to let this happen. Um, at the time, I'm like, okay, it's not that bad of a trade. And going forward, I'm like, it could have been worse. But I, you know, when I first read it, it came off as kind of a sob story of how he came to me because you wanted to play for Minnesota. You that's what you wanted to do. You were worried about playing somewhere else. So I'm like, all right, let's make this happen. And uh so I'm like, okay. And another thing was because I didn't really want to have to choose first overall. Um there were a lot of people on the board who I would have chose and yep. choosing fourth kind of made it a little easier for me. So it's a mistake, but it's not the end of the world. Um but yeah, definitely that story of saying how you really wanted to play for him, you were worried about playing for somebody else, um, kind of put it over the edge. <laughs> but Because uh, who did you pick up with that fourth? Was it Zeno? Um, it was either Jack or Zeno. In that, yeah. in that draft, um, I went center. I went center, center, uh, winger. Um, I think it was Jack, Zeno... Anthony Hawk, um, and I built center out because there weren't a lot of centers in that draft. So one of the drafting strategies that I like to do is see, you know, what the draft is light of, um, and kind of draft that position, which is the complete opposite of what we did this season. I don't know what the hell happened, but our normal, the strategy that worked in 67 was not what we did here um this season was very low on defense and i ended up drafting uh dill instead of josh which i kind of regret a little bit um not the end of the world i uh you know dill is going to work out great we have a strong top six um i would like to have that big piece on defense but um you know we'll just see how the season plays out yeah, so looking at it here, it looks like you got Jack at fourth and then Zeno at six. Yep. So they both worked out. They both scored more points than me. So even though you might not be happy with the trade, I think you might have got better players at the end of the day than. Well, I uh, I think I forgot what fourth that was, but I think I got a pretty decent player at fourth. Um, you know, I got some good players at third. Um, I definitely traded my second for what turned into Tony Hawk. Um, I, I have to remember back so far. but um, Yeah, so looking like here, you got Jacob Scott from the Minnesota pick. Okay. Yeah, he was active, um, and then I think he went inactive because of some family things. So he was good for a little bit, and then, um, you know, it wasn't the worst, worst pick yeah. in the world. Uh, compared to my fourth round picks this season, which uh, we kind of owned half of the fourth round. Um, so, 
they uh, worked out well. We drafted a bunch of the SHL guys who are active and, you know, we're happy to have on the team. Um, you know, they're, they're actually a pretty good locker room presence. So I'm happy to have them. That's good. Cause looking at that draft, that was when I first realized that the only having three picks per round only applies to the first three rounds. When I saw you having, I think it was six picks in the fourth round. Uh, probably something like that. It might've yeah. been more. I, I think the, uh, the three pick is only first and second round. Oh, okay. Um, I could be wrong though, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's just the first and second because there were times where um, I wanted to pick up another first, which uh, I forgot who it was, but they kind of did a roundabout way of getting another first. Is they had the they made a trade and they had the team who owned the pick draft for them. And then they were going to trade the player after the fact, which is a smart way to do it. Um, And I don't know if that was previously done, but in the drafts where I was there, it hasn't been. Um, So that was a smart way to kind of go around the rules a little bit. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, you could organize all that before the draft and just after the draft, make the trade and, you know, no one would be much the wiser, I guess. Exactly. Um, which I almost would have preferred. They kind of announced it in the middle of the draft that they were doing it. Um, so I was like a little annoyed, but at the end of the day, it's legal and it is what it is, you know? Um, yeah. So <laughs> it was a very little annoyance, but, um, you know, I can honestly say I wish I thought of that. Um, so that was smart on them to do that. So, do you, speaking of trades, obviously over your four seasons, you've learned a bit more and probably had a few more that went your way rather than the other team's way. What are your, you know, advice without giving too much away on trading and that sort of stuff? Um, I try to be fair. Um, you know, there are some GMs who, you know always try to get the advantage i try to be fair i think um in season 66 there were a lot of trades for players that were almost capped or capped that were like a first and a third or first and a second um when i came into or no that was 67 uh first and a third first and a second um kind of high value trades when i was trading in 67 um no 68 it was after we won the cup um when i was trying to get some more assets back uh i was you know trading capped out players for a first and a fourth um you know i was trying to be a little bit more fair i was trying to you know move some pieces to where um you know both teams do make out um because a first is very valuable um and i mean they are capped out so in my mind they are worth a little bit more than a first um so I thought a first and a fourth was fair. Um, those fourths turned out to work in our advantage um, in this draft. So I, I think they all kind of worked out. Um, and the other thing is when drafting, throw an offer out there um, because the other GM should always counter it. Um, and then you just go from there. Uh, if a GM kind of says no right off the bat, there's a reason. Hopefully they give you the reason. Um if they say no off the bat without a reason, throw them another offer um, until they say, 
you know, absolutely not, or give you the reason why, then, you know, just, you kind of be respectful. Um, you know, you don't want to go for the jugular. You, you don't want to try and screw them um, because then that kind of changes that whole GM relationship where, you know, you need to make another trade or uh, going into next season. You're like, well, that guy kind of screwed me over. I don't want to deal with him. Or if you have bad blood or anything, um, you know, so it's, you just, in my opinion, you just try and be fair to where it benefits both of you. Um, yeah. You know, you don't want to piss off so many GMs that you have no one to trade with. Um, because the reality is you're not going to be competitive um, if you can't gain assets, if you can't move some stuff around. So, Yeah, it was... Without giving... Obviously, I don't want to give away much of the talks because I don't know how Ray's would feel about me just, you know, reading through our conversation. So, essentially, it started off where he's like... You know, this is what these are the players I want. What do you want for them? Where it's like, okay, obviously bidding wars. Put you know, the person selling starts high, the person buying starts low, and you sort of just work your way down until you meet at a reasonable spot. You know, in when you're buying like haggling for a price of goods and stuff like that, so you're buying something online. So I think I sort of took that approach, but I don't think I start. If I wanted that approach, I should have started higher. Um, I think I started probably almost where I wanted to finish up, where Ray sort of could talk me down a little bit more than that, where I think my biggest problem was just not saying no. If I didn't like the deal, I should have just said, you know, no, nah, we'll talk about it later. Or... Yeah, it's you sort can... of like in my head that I've had the deal was done and I was just trying to work out how much I get paid for it, where it's, you know, the deal's not done yet and I needed to keep that in mind, I guess. That's um, something not only in trading in the VHL, but life is you got to always be willing to walk away. If the other person knows that you are going to walk away and they want your business or they want, um, you know, you're selling something, they want to buy it or vice versa. Always be willing to walk away because you're going to get that little bit extra. Um, With your trade in particular, he essentially got three good active players for the price of one. (laughs) Um, And that kind of goes back to trade values, uh, draft values, all of that, which is very hard to teach somebody. Um, And they do shift per season. Um, But there's kind of a general consensus of like, if they're active, they're worth more than inactive, depending on, you know, if they're capped out or not. Um, because you can play active players over inactive players, but if you're trying to round out like your bottom lines, then inactive um, you know, works just the same. Yep. You get to keep inactive for a little bit longer. So you have to value what it's worth to you. Um in that trade I think you could have gotten a lot more. Um, I think those three players were all over 100 and all active, and you drafted. They were drafted to Halifax, so I think you could have gotten a little bit more value. Um, when it comes to multiplayer deals, um, you can always break it down and be like, "Well, I want a first and a fourth for this player, two seconds for this player," and you just kind of break it down and you know put the value towards each player and then combine it. So that's another strategy that you can do. Um, I personally don't like to trade more than two players at a time. 
Um, that's just a personal preference. There's nothing wrong with doing it. It's just yeah. easier for me to keep track of the values for two compared to three. And you know, when you start bundling, um, you might not be getting as much of a return back. So. Okay. Um, so have a couple of random questions here. Um, obviously me being from Australia, I've got a different time zone, which, you know, we all learnt planning. I've got a couple more interviews, but planning these interviews have become a bit harder, trying to find a time where, you know, both of us are awake and available. Um, and I think that it's a bit of a challenge for me too, because a lot of people create players while I'm asleep, and I think that's... It helped for the Hounds when... Because Gustav and I were almost opposite ends where we would both be like one of us would be online online at least at one point in time so i think that helped um so that's what i'm looking for uh jeff helps with that he's online a bit when i'm not um uh, but what i wanted to ask was australia would you ever want to visit has that ever come up to you you know has that ever seemed like a good idea yeah i wouldn't mind visiting australia um I'm a bit ignorant when it comes to Australia, just uh, because, you know, I'm from America and our geography sucks. <laughs> we don't really <laughs> learn about other countries, I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, typically from what I'd say the, and I could be wrong, I'm generalizing, but I'd say from the general public of uh they only know about Australia from uh, what would it be, Crocodile Dundee and, uh, and all of those movies. <laughs> um, you know, I but you know we're able to identify you know like the Sydney Opera House and um, you know some of some of those landmarks. Um, yeah. I just know that uh, you know currently there's a lot of wildfires and just horrible horrible stuff happening, but that wouldn't um, change me, you know, wanting to visit. I always want to visit new places and, you know, see and experience new things. So, I think it's funny. I think people don't realize how big a country it actually is. Um, I was talking to some family of mine and they had a friend come over from Germany and they wanted to drive from capital city to capital city and drive from the top of Australia all the way to the bottom. And they didn't realize that that would take well over, I think I think it's 35 hours, I think, to drive from the top to the bottom straight. And then also you're driving through no, the middle of nowhere. No one lives there. You're driving through roads, you know, they're for hundreds of kilometers, which, you know, I don't know how, <laughs> hundreds of miles, I guess, to where there's nothing. And you're just driving straight over nothing. And I think people don't realize how big a country it is and how, you know, if you want to get from one place to the other, how long it is actually to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like I'm kind of looking at a map right now, but it kind of seems like the capital cities are all along the coast. Um, yep. I think it's 90% so, of people live within 50 kilometers of the coast. Yeah. Well, that does make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to your original question, you know, Sydney looks really cool. Uh, Brisbane, which I think is your one of your hockey teams, um, 
we're in we're in another uh, hockey sim league, and I uh, Baraka GMs a team from Brisbane. Um, yeah, you know, so either either one of those I think would be cool to visit. Nice. As as far as knowledge of what I would like to do, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting. Um, a lot of people on the site get confused with my slang and a lot of things I say because to me it's just how everyone around here talks where a lot of people get confused when I say things. Um, has that ever happened? Have I ever said anything and you just didn't didn't understand at all what I meant? Um, there was one uh, recently where I had to just ask for a little clarification because I... It's used other places, but I just wanted to make sure I understood what you meant by it. But you said keen the other day. Yes. And it was, um, you know, in a in a sentence where I I knew that you meant kind of like excited, um, but it just it threw me off a little bit. So it took me a minute. But um, yeah. yeah, that one. I think there was another time where I said too easy. Um, and. I don't know if it's the same there, but if you said too easy, it's like, yeah, I agree. You know, sounds good. I'll see you then. Like if someone says, hey, oh, I'll yeah. meet you there, and you're like, oh, yeah, too easy. Yeah, I, that, I never heard that. So that one, <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that one. I probably was just like, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. And I just ignored it. Because um, a lot of the, we did um, with the hounds, every season I would do a quiz where I would ask different Australian slang and people would get very confused and I liked that. Is there any Australian I, slang or anything you've heard that you you know you like and you wish that you could use it in day to day conversations? Um not really. Um because I feel like if I started saying Australian <laughs> slang, people would just look at me like I had seven heads. Um yep. you know I, I think the most common one's probably Barbie, you know, barbecue. Yep. Um, everybody says, you know, that one, um, which I think was made famous by another by a movie. Um, I think that was Crocodile Dundee. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, you know, just looking some up quickly. Uh, piece of piss kind of sounds sounds like I should be using that a lot more often. Yeah, something's uh, piece of piss. It's really easy, you know. Doesn't take yeah. any effort at all. There, wow. Uh, looking through this list, you guys <laughs> are really into piss. Um, yeah, piss and shit. <laughs> a lot of things um, involve that. Uh, piss up is getting drunk. You go out drinking. Yep, piss up, uh, piss off is go yep. away. Well, that one's pretty common. Um, yep. Uh, sicky. It's just sick day. Yep, you chuck a sickie. Yeah, not going into work because you, yeah, you call up work and tell them that you're feeling sick, or you're just going out doing something else. Yep. Uh, whoop whoop. Uh, what? Yeah, out in whoop whoop. So out like out in the country, you don't know where it is. You know, like out in the middle of nowhere, it's out in whoop whoop. Yep. That one's that one's kind of cool. I might actually have to start naked. <laughs> I might have to start using. What the hell? Mozzie is mosquito. Oh god. Mozzie, yeah. You bit by mozzie. Uh, no, these are these are fun though. These remind me of um, some slang, uh, like in the UK. 
Yeah, it's very, very similar. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, we use a little bit of Cockney slang, which is like you come up with a word and then you find a rhyming word with it. So um, Americans in Australia, their nickname is Seppos. So that comes from Americans being called Yanks. And Yank rhymes with septic tank. So then they just abbreviate, like, shorten septic tank to Seppo. So take it from American to a Seppo is because, like, that sort of Cockney slang where they find find a word, then find a rhyming word, then shorten that. And, you know, you get so far from the original word. That That's good. If I ever come to visit, I'm going to be called a septic tank. <laughs> that's for sure. That makes me want to come even more. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite, and I think the favorite one that I tell everyone is, we're not here to fuck spiders, which means, you know, just get in and get the job done. We're not here to do anything else. Um, I'm going to start using that at work. So, like, uh, popular ones, like, you go, to the, you go to a pub or go to, you know, a bar, and someone's like, would you like a drink? And you're like, no, we're not here to fuck spiders. Of course I want a drink or at a bar sort of thing. So, yeah, a lot of people like that one. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to start using that one. That one's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this has been well over an hour now. We did quite well. Uh, is there anything you want to ask me that we haven't touched on or anything you want to touch on that we've missed? Yeah, from your perspective, because you're a newer GM, um, do you have any, you know, questions that haven't been answered or you've been, you know, wanting to ask or anything that needs a little bit more clarification, um, you know, as far as, you know, trades or, or anything that, you know, we haven't talked about or have talked about that you want it more in depth? Um, uh, the only question I would ask, and you obviously don't have to answer this um who who would be your stick away from trading and you know your warning list if someone come if someone approached you to trade who do you consider like oh yeah they're being fair and yeah you know, these this person's just trying to rip me off um it's completely if fine if you don't want to throw people under the bus um i think we already did um not that, you know, Raze is the worst person to trade with. I would just say be a little careful with him. Um, go in with what you want to get out of it um, and what you're willing to live with. And, you know, those are your starting and stopping points. Um, and like we talked about being, you know, able to walk away from it if if you don't like it. Um you know, previously there were a couple of GMs who have moved up who, you know, were more on the harder side of, of getting deals done with, um, depending on who you ask. They're, you know, they would always like the trade to be steered not a little bit, but, you know, more so, you know, more than a little bit in their favor, um, which if, particularly if I have to lose a little bit on a trade that's going to, benefit me greatly um i still consider that a win um as long as it's not you know anything too crazy yeah. um so there's no one that i wouldn't trade with I'm, I'm not saying it like that i'm just 
off the top of my head. Um, probably just be a little careful with him. Um, I haven't had much experience with D-Max, but I think he is a smart guy in the sense that he knows what he has, he knows what he wants. Um, so that may come into play. Um, and uh, Pop-Tart, I have absolutely no experience with, so I can't speak to him. Everybody else, I think, um, is is fine. Um, but I'd say those three, you know, um, maybe go in with a game plan. Yeah. <laughs> but but not to say that they're bad people, no. not to trade with them, anything along those lines. Um, so another question. Say Otto was to be removed next season, but they give you an open invitation to take over any VHLM team. Which one would you pick? Which team? Um is this based on any kind of criteria? Is it based on, like, do I get to know what kind of draft picks they have? Like, or is so, it just literally it's all any just, team? Yeah, all just, like, level level standings. Would Is there anyone that, you know, stands out to you the most, or are you just happy to pick up whatever one? Um... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'd have a preference. Um... I think I would stay away from Mississauga just because of all the good things that Gustav has done. Um, so I think it'd be hard to step into those shoes. Um, I feel like whoever gets it next has extremely big shoes to feel, and it's going to be compared to Gustav no matter what, what happens. Yeah, I think that's the only team that I wouldn't take. Um, I... All the other teams, I, I honestly, I wouldn't mind. Um, if we're basing it solely on logos, I think either uh, Houston or Mexico have the best logos. <laughs> but um, other than that, I, I really wouldn't mind. I just think that, you know, taking over Mississauga, you would just have a lot of pressure put on you. Um, so that would be difficult. Um, San Diego has a cool logo as well. It's just hard to work with in graphics because of how big it is. <laughs> yeah. And the dimensions, it's real tall rather than wide. Mm -hmm. um, but speaking of logos, I, uh, if I had a preference, I would like to start a campaign to redo the Ottawa logo because that, one, is not a Lynx, and two, it kind of looks like garbage. <laughs> I just I always got confused with Ottawa and Saskatoon because they're both just a cat screaming facing the same direction. Yeah, it's it's very confusing and it's not it's not even a Lynx. Um the only other logo that like it, now that we're talking about logos, the only other logo that I think doesn't really fit is the Minnesota Storm. It, it what I mean is it it's Zeus like okay, the lightning, but like doesn't really fit if you know what i mean so yeah i i think if we had to redo logos it'd probably be storm and links in all honesty um okay similar question you've got a free reign of going up to the vhl to gm any team is there any that you'd want or stay stay away from um i, I kind of 
I mean, Gustav just took it. So in this situation, yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, I almost would want to take Davos um, just to, you know, turn that team around. Um, uh, let's see. Any of the other teams. Um, I feel like one I of think... the expansion, you could sort of take that over and they don't have enough history or enough experience really to have people compare you to anyone. Um, obviously, you know, both Eno and DA, I'm sure, are doing a great job, but because of where they were as an expansion team, you know, it does take time to build it up. So I feel like you could take those teams over without really stepping in anything. That's true. I, um, I don't know if I would want to touch one of the expansion teams, though. Um, I think I would want them to build their own history a little bit first. Um, yep. But, I mean, any of the other teams... I don't hate a particular team. Um, I mean, they're all they're all good teams. They all have pretty good histories. Um, so I, unlike the M, uh, there's no team that I, I really wouldn't step up to in this hypothetical situation. Um, I mean, even. Even Calgary just turning that around would be would be cool to do. Um, you know, they have they all have a good history, which I think is kind of the difference between the M and and this is the M. Um, a lot of the teams are newer. You know, like yeah. uh, Mississauga, um, Mexico, San Diego. Um, a lot of them are very new teams. Uh, the Reavers. Um, you know, because of expansion, they're all very new teams, so they don't really have that history yet, as well as there's not so much pressure on the M as there is the VHL. Um, so it's, uh, when it comes to that, I honestly have no preference. I think the only M team I wouldn't want would be the Hounds, just because of <laughs> what Gustav has done. Um, any other team, I, I wouldn't have a preference. So, it's going to be a while before it happens again, but say there was another expansion in the VHL. There's going to be another European and another American team. They've given you the job to decide where they go. Where where would you pick? Um, well, we actually thought about, because uh, it recently happened with Prague and DC, I think a team in Chicago would be really cool um, for Nor a North American team. Um, yeah, I, I think Chicago would be cool. Um, either that or, you know, throw a team, you know, maybe down in like South America um, would be interesting. Um, yep. As far as a European team, I would love it if the Stockholm Vikings would come back. <laughs> um, for some reason, I gravitate towards that team. And I think that that would be a really cool team to have uh, back in the VHL. Nice. Yeah, I'd like, I don't know, as coming from Australia, obviously doesn't snow in the state I'm in. Uh, it's a 24-hour drive if you just want to even see snow if, during the winter. So I always think it's funny if you put a team where there's no snow at all and it's extremely hot. And I just find that sort of, especially for a simulation league where those sort of things don't matter, um, I always think that's gonna be that would be funny. Yeah, I mean that's kind of uh Houston, San Diego, Mexico yeah. City, Las Vegas. Um even though there are, you know, teams in 
Vegas and you know all over the place um, in the U.S. It's just it's kind of funny, but still. Like I think having a European team in like Barcelona or something like somewhere like that would be pretty cool. Like you could have a lot of cool stories happen from that. That would yeah, that would be cool. I you know something that w- could get started or we could start is kind of more of um you know the team's effect on a particular area you know like um for instance uh davos gm change how that's going to affect you know the team gonna affect the area um in switzerland um you know different things like that so especially when davos is such a small town compared to some of the other ones yeah like even um you know when da took over prague um you know just writing an article of how that affects you know prague of oh we now have this vhl team you know coming into the area it's going to be good for businesses and you know they're going to start doing these things you know because it's a simulation league it's all made up anyway so why not have a little fun you know somebody could be writing you know a media spot on uh, the effect of a team in a particular area or even an article or something so i feel um, like in a week we're gonna see one someone's gonna listen to this podcast and be like that that's a good idea i'm gonna do that well that would be that'd be cool to see um i might tag us in it if someone does that please yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i i i think that'd be a, a really cool idea um you know uh just talking about the uh the area and how the team kind of affects it which is um that other simulation league that we're both in we we kind of do that a little bit um with some of our point tests and and things that are going on so um yeah even it'd be like a doubles week where it's like okay you know say an event that your team's attending you know in the area and how that affects the area i think that'd be a cool idea yeah we kind of um I think people have touched on it a little bit when it comes to like the world junior championships. Um, they talk about it from a country perspective a little bit, um, but it kind of be interesting to see it from, you know, like uh, Seattle thing, you know, like how one of us should have written a media spot on the parade that Seattle threw for the bears for winning the cups back to back. And like, yeah. you could create this whole story about, how people started rioting and, you know, chugging beer cans in front of Hulk and like just make it into this, this cool story. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be cool. And I think involving the world really fleshes out sort of what, what it's all about and that sort of thing. Or you talk about, you know, you just did a, you know, a big road trip all through the Europe teams and you came back and the next day you had to play at home. Like, you know, what jet lag, you know, all that sort of effect that you have on the player. And Yeah, when I see postings like that, um, you know, some people write their media spots about diaries and their training and stuff like that. So very similar. But, um, you know, I, I think it'd be a cool, cool little thing to do. Um, I think we're so f- focused on statistics, which is important. Um, you know how a particular player is doing that you know it's kind of something that's a little untapped um you know on some of the slower weeks where we don't have as many games or during the off season yeah 
Okay. Um, so it's been about 90 minutes now. Uh, do you have any final things, anything you want to say, anything, anyone you want to call out, you know, just to, you know, liven up drama through the VHL? Because we don't ever have enough of that, I guess. Um, no, not, not really. You're pretty happy? Um, I, I think we've called out <laughs> enough people in 90 minutes. Um, yeah. I'm not not trying to piss too many people off. Um, I mean, I, I we've said it a few times, but uh, just good luck to Gustav, you know, moving up. Um, I, I good think luck I to whoever from... has to replace him as well, because I feel oh, like that's yeah. almost a harder job at the moment. Um, but if whoever replaces Gustav, if you have any questions, I'm sure either myself, Baraka, Gustav, um, I'm sure any of the other GMs could help you out. Yeah, so. enjoy the locker room, that's for sure. Yes, which is something that uh, I have been envious of. I I have kind of been curious to see the other side of things. Um, well, just since, as you hear about it so often. Since starting this, there's been over 40 messages, and it's been the most active one I'm in so far. So Yeah. That's uh, for Ottawa. We have had four. Uh, in Halifax, we've had none. <laughs> so um, yeah, we've we've had four. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of funny, but yeah. Um, so good good luck to those guys. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what everybody is doing. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know. Maybe some of the newer GMs actually got something out of this. Um, a lot of rambling. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it's enjoyable for people who want to be a GM and the AGMs and stuff like that, people who want to learn a bit more. Um, yeah. There's, um, yeah, and, and there's a lot more that we could go into. Um, this was kind of more of a, a, a generalized thing, but, you know, there are so many different strategies and, and things that you can look into and implement. You know, they're short term versus long term, and you know, I feel like that would be an entirely another podcast. Um, so, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other GMs who are who are going to be on this, and uh, you know, we'll give some other advice, maybe contradictory or you know, same thing, different. Yeah, so if I have a look at my schedule, let's see who's actually up next. Um, I did actually like this um, whole booking in appointment thing. I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, you're you're in high demand now that yeah, you, I know. you started um, doing a podcast. So it looks like on Thursday I've got to talk with DMAX, so that'll be interesting. Um, I'll probably put this podcast up tomorrow because i'm hoping that's when gustav gets announced as the actual gm um <laughs> yeah, yeah. so i'll put it up then that way we're not stepping on anyone's toes at all um yeah so yeah and then probably next week might be dmax and then the one after that will be gustav he's the only other person to book in so nice. that, yeah that will be interesting I... it'll be a completely different conversation i think yeah, I'd be interested to hear both of them. Um, I mean, uh, from what I know about Dmax, is he's he's a good guy, he's a smart guy. So I'm curious to see you know his thoughts and everything because I don't have as much interaction with him. Um, so I'd be curious to see you know how how that one goes and 
you know, some of his thoughts and different things because he's um, he kind of comes from a different world. Um, so it'd be interesting to compare them. Yeah, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for having a chat. Um, it's been very helpful, very, you know, learnt a lot, I guess. Um, and I'm sure that once we get through the other ones, if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to do another one of these. And I'm, you know, hopefully you are too. Yeah, no, it was fun. You know, thanks for, for having me on, being the, uh, the first guest of something that I hope you continue to do for a while. And, um, you know, I, I hope you have success with this. Um, obviously, it's for a for a simulation um, for a simulation league, but still, it's it's still fun to do, and we have a decent amount of members. So, yeah, hopefully, it gets a bit of the first one got a bit of um, publicity, so I'm sure this one will too. And I'll spam it around the league and get as many people listening to it as I guess we can, and see what everyone thinks. Yeah, and something else could always do, um, you know, if you return back to you just doing it or um, could always ask, you know, members of the VHL for different questions um, to, you know, ask your guests and, and switch it up a little bit if, if somebody's asking something particularly, you know. I'm sure putting this out there, I probably get a couple of messages saying that people want to be involved too, so... If you do want to get involved, let me know, and I'll add you to the list of people that I'll have a chat with. So, Calling you out, back. I'll call someone <laughs> out now. Get on here, back. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to go through and interview some people, I think. So, Trying to get the yeah. VHLM GMs first, and then you know, wherever it goes from there, it goes from there. It's it'd definitely be interesting. Um, you know, if you get to the VHL GMs, you have you know, DA and Banna, who you know are the VHLM commissions as well as the VHL GM, so those could be interesting. I believe DA will be upcoming as well. He he wants to have an interview, so that all will right definitely be sounds good. Sometime soon, we'll have to submit some questions for that one. Yeah, um, the only thing I'm worried about is all these are going to go forever, and I'm going to have so many back weeks to be able to claim. That is true. <laughs> that is true. We may you may have to start capping them after me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for listening. I'm going to end the recording there. And if you have any questions, let us know. See you.